chance goal. Brilliant. Just fantastic by Nicola Barella. Ciao ragazzi and welcome to the Review della Madonnina here on Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio Told Like It Is, where you can get your culture to go. I'm Frank Crivello. Richard Carmen decided to take a vacation with his family on the day that Milan clinched the Scudetto. Are you crazy, man? I mean, leaving me to record this? Good luck with this even making it to Apple Podcasts or any of our fine channels where this is found. So if you're watching this on YouTube, this might be the only place you find us <laughs> over the next week. We'll have to see what happens. But, I mean, Richard puts in so much in this that it takes three men to replace him. And I got three good ones. So, joining me, and I'm going to go in order from fourth to first. So, the host of Stoppage Time, member of the All Huey cast, Cliff Esmiel. Cliff, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much, Frank, for having me. It's always a pleasure to come on. You guys have one of the best intros to a show I've ever seen. I love it so much. So, it's always a pleasure. Thanks so much again. Awesome. Awesome. Good to have you. Uh, finishing third, Napoli. Oh, by the way, Cliff's second cap with us here on Serie A sit down. Uh, the next man, I've lost count how many caps he has. He's got to be on six or seven or something like that. We've had him on so many times. He's a pleasure to have with us. Uh, representing third place, Napoli, Rafa Rispo. Ciao, Rafa. Ciao, ciao, Frank. This is a real case of first is the worst, isn't it, for Cliff, huh? <laughs> Saving the worst for last, is that it? <laughs> How you doing, my friend? How you doing? I uh man, I've been smiling since about uh 1250 Central Standard Time. Um yes, sir. I know that Alex Dono it. tried, you know, congratulating us Milanisti in advance. Uh <laughs> you know, with about 30 minutes to go and I just put the I just I just I just put a stop to that. I said, "No, no, no. No, no. We're waiting until this thing is over." We've waited 11 years. We're not leaving anything to chance. I'm not celebrating until I hear that final whistle. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, congratulate. Allow me to congratulate you and the rest of Milan Twitter and Milan, you know, uh, social media. And you guys really deserve it. Look at that. Look at that. I did not start this today, just for the record. <laughs> okay. But Could I am finishing me. it. So got a little right. Woodford double oak neat. Ricky Buzz representing Inter. A valiant season under Simone Inzaghi. It was always, you know, the the most talented team in 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 Italy. Certainly wasn't going to be the same without Conte, without Lukaku, without Hakimi. Hell of a team, but let's uh, we'll we'll talk about that here shortly. Ricky making his second appearance, getting his second cap with us on Serie A sit down. Welcome back, man. Oh, welcome back. Uh, it's good to be back, and congratulations. Sassuolo couldn't do the job. <laughs> <laughs> I think what was in it? There was a there was a tweet that went out this week. Somebody was breaking down. I think there was a couple of Sassuolo players that are Inter fans, and there was a couple more Sassuolo players that are linked to joining Inter next season, uh, <laughs> trying to uh, drum up the motivation for Sassuolo to be interested in that game. We yeah. knew Sampdoria weren't going to be interested. 
um, at the San Siro today that they had secured their survival for the following season. So, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's great to be here. Um, I see the chat is loaded. Great to have all of you guys with us. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I see, uh, I see, I see Anthony here already upset that, uh, uh, Richard could not be part of the show. Uh, our dear friend, uh, George Widmer, George, we're so sorry, man. He's a, uh, devout Caliade supporter. Um, that is, uh, that is one of th- that is a gut punch if there ever was one for a, uh, for a football supporter. Um, I felt for you, man, after the final whistle went, uh, Fuji's and Funyuns, uh, are those interesting tears? Come on, man. Ricky's a good man. Ricky's a good sport. He's, he's taking it well. Uh, all the, all the oxen free just because we have to do it. Uh, your defense is terrified. Campione d'Italia, your defense is terrified. All right. So just trying to go through. Uh, Lisi is uh, making sure that uh, uh, Richard gets a little grief here. And, oh, look who's here, Richard. Yes, <laughs> nice to show up, Richard. Nice of you to show up for us. So Go back on vacation, Richard. Enjoy, enjoy, <laughs> Get enjoy back to your spirit. wife and kid. So... Oh man, um, what an amazing season, guys! I mean, and not just because Milan won the title, but I mean, everywhere you turn, there was a twist every week. There was a twist in the European places. There was a twist in the title race. There was a twist in the relegation race. Um, I don't think, and I will start with you, Ricky. Um, I I can't remember a season that. There was something to look forward to literally every week. I couldn't look at one. Richard, I couldn't look at one match. We can say, well, this is one we can blow over and be done in 30 minutes. Yeah, this season had a lot of twists and turns. Uh, a lot of question marks, well, in particular for Inter. Uh, but yeah, especially Juve. Juve's like resurgence out of nowhere, signing Wahovic and Coming up, because we honestly kind of assumed you, you, you guys might get a Europa League this season, and Atalanta would secure their spot, but even they went up and down. But I think uh, I actually want to say, out of all the teams, I'm actually very, very happy and impressed with the, the way Napoli was able to go about. Because you guys, uh, Napoli basically stayed in the title race way longer than what I expected them to. Because I had Spalletti dropping off in February, but they were able to keep up until April. Mm-hmm. Uh, and let's take that over to you, um, uh, Rafa. Um, I don't think there was any denying the talent of Napoli. And I think that uh, you guys were probably a little bit snake bit. Um, you know, let's, I mean, talk about the season if you've seen anything, because I know you have followed City off for quite a long time. Um, but then also just kind of touch on it. You had Osman out for a while. I don't think, you know, there weren't long stretches where you were able to have your first choice 11, you know, throughout the season. And I think that that caught up with Napoli, uh, you know, as the season wore on. But, you know, comment a little bit about that. And then also your just reaction to what's just been a bizarre season here. Well, yeah, well, it was, uh, as we all know, uh, it was a really good start to the season. Uh, we went eight uh, eight wins in a row and then 12 unbeaten before we finally lost to Inter. Um, you know, 10 wins, uh, two, two draws. Uh, and then basically some of the same stuff that was happening last season uh, happened this season. December came around and the injury bug hit us uh, pretty hard. Uh, COVID uh, mixed with injuries. We were out a lot of players. Um, 
but uh, you know, I think that was basically the difference between the two teams, Milan and Napoli, because they both had pretty much a similar, you know, you, you had a lot of injuries come that time as well. And uh, Milan were, were able to cope with it. Um, um, the, uh, the fact that Napoli had a lot of injuries in December and then were losing a lot of players in January to the uh, African Cup of Nations just didn't look, didn't seem... It didn't seem like things were going to, you know, go well for us again from there on in. Uh, December was very bad. We had, we dropped, I think we dropped, I think we only gained like four points out of, out of 15 in December. Um, and some might say that's where we lost the title. Some might say the loss to Milan in March was where we lost the title. And then, you know, I, me, uh, I feel like we were still in it up until, you know, four or five weeks ago where, we um, had the lead against Roma and dropped uh, dropped uh, two points in the ninety first, and then the very next week we couldn't hold we couldn't hold a two nil lead on Empoli. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you look at those two matches, and uh, you, you think to yourself, going into this final weekend, if Napoli had won those two games, this would be a situation where all three teams are playing at the same time instead of us waking up at 6.30 in the morning Eastern to watch Napoli play in a meaningless match against Spezia. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to sort of summarize where, where I think I'm going is that despite all the injuries, despite Ossiman breaking his face, and, and that's another thing I'd like to talk about later on too, is, is you know, the Ossiman injury bug is really like a, uh, it's not really a fitness thing. It's a, you know, how hard and tough he plays thing. Um, but despite all that, despite everything that we had to go through, in senior's contract talks and how that affected him on the pitch. Uh, uh, like I said, COVID, you know, all of our midfielders hurt at the same time. All that stuff notwithstanding, I'm really happy that this Napoli team were able to stay in, in a race that they were never really supposed to be in. I mean, I don't know how many people that do, you know, podcasts or talk on TV had Napoli outside of the top four. And... You know, I didn't even think they'd, you know, be in a Scudetto race. I mean, I thought they'd finish in second or third, but distant second or third to Inter, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And just, just the way things unfolded this year, um, you know, in, in the manner that they happened for Napoli, I thought it was really heartbreaking. But at the same time, when you look at the overall big picture, Napoli were in a Scudetto race all season long. Yep. And you can't really ask for anything more than obviously, you know, get getting over that hump. So we have a few things to do. We have to do some stuff over the offseason. And then, you know, we'll see what happens next year. But I'm very proud of the guys and how they handled you know, the season for, for the most part. And I know it's a very controversial take to Napoli fans, but, but um, uh, you know, it's, it's no, it's anytime you can finish over Juventus and this is not a knock on Juventini. I have wars with them on Twitter, but anytime, anytime (laughs) you, you? yeah, sure. Anytime you can finish a season over Juventus, it's been 12 seasons since we've been able to do it. And, you know, we've done it this year. There's a lot of things. Like I said, there's a lot of things to look at. Spalletti has 79 points. Uh, Gattuso had 77. It wasn't good enough for Champions League last year. Uh, mm. You know, Ossiman um, came back really strong, finished strong, won the under 23 player of the year. Ospina um, uh, uh, was second in Europe in save percentages, only only second behind Magnan, you know, in all of Europe. 
Uh, that's mm-hmm. really something to talk about. The two the two defenses had the the best defense all season. There's a lot of things to take from this and move on with and be happy about. So I'm overall pretty happy with the season and how it went. Awesome. Um, and then Cliff, uh, let's kind of a strange season for Juventus. Okay, I mean I think that it almost you know and and, and Ricky will come back to you about Inter as well. Um, but a strange season for Juventus. Okay. I think that everybody that's tuned into tuned into us here, we just, we harp on the culture at Juventus. We harp on, uh, you know, the way they're playing, you know, Allegri has, has said publicly, I, I, I'd rather play ugly and win one nil than, than play beautifully and lose, you know? Um, I mean, who wouldn't, I mean, especially at the professional level, you're in there to win games. Um, you know, as talk about what your fan base, because you do the Juve podcast, what's the sentiment? Is it is is everybody itching to see things change? Is everybody itching to see a modern Juve here? Um, and you know, is this season they got fourth? They're back in the Champions League, and is this a case? Do you feel that based on where they're positioned, what they might have resourcefully? Ronaldo leaves. Um, you know, Vlaovic comes in. Uh, Chiesa gets injured. So you had all of these things working for you and going and forth. Was this a feeling of Roma, Lazio, Fiorentina, Atalanta, if you wanted to take fourth from us and knock us out of the champions, like this was the year to do it? Well, you hit on a lot of things, Frank. You threw a lot of questions at me at once. Well, you're the young okay. guy. You should, you're the young guy. I expect you to retain okay. more. So. Let me try to think. So the first thing you want to touch on was culture. Um, so I guess from I guess from the first thing you want to talk about culture-wise – I think Juve has been going in the wrong direction. They're going away from this Fino Alafine mentality. They've kind of lost some of that. I mean, I know Allegri likes to play ugly. I know it. He used to like to play ugly too, but not to this extent. I think there's part of it was the reason because he lost Chiesa. He lost some really key players. He had to adapt. But at the same time, I feel like he's regressed in his coaching. I feel like he's really like just hampered this team and their ability to go forward and be offensive and actually utilize their offensive firepower like, you know, Vlaovic, obviously, and then Morata, to a lesser extent, had a good season statistically. Um, but that's the first thing. I think the culture is going downhill. And I think the fan base wants to see um, big change um, in terms of how we, we coach, in terms of how we go about things in the transfer window, which in the winter was a good sign to see that they made those two signings of Sakadia and Vlaovic. Um, but that's the main thing. Second question you asked was in terms of the change. Do you want to see change in terms of the modern football. Me personally, I do. I want to see this team get unleashed. I'd rather beat a team. I know this sounds wild, but like a 4-3 result or a 3-2 result, a higher scoring match compared to winning a 1-0 result. Um, It's just more exciting for me personally. Uh, I know a lot of the younger generation likes to see more goals. I I love to see good defense. I respect that. But I also, I'm a fan of the modern game. I like to see more goals. I like to see more offensive firepower. And there's a lot of coaches right now who show that. Deserbi from from Italy, who was at Shakhtar and now, you know, is in limbo where he could end up next. He's a good offensive coach. And then Italiano, we all know how great he's been doing with um, with Fiorentina. He's been a coach that you know people have been touting to maybe be the successor after this coming season or maybe the season after to um, take over after Allegri. I would love that. I would love that so much. I know a lot of people give me hate for that, um, as people love to do on Calcio Twitter and whatnot. Um, but I think um, I think Italiano could be a good fit in the future. Um, 
But the third question, UCL-wise, I think this was the season to knock Juve off. They were at the bottom of the table at the beginning of the season. That was the time for people to pounce on Juve. And I think, to a certain extent, they didn't completely lose their mentality because at least they made it attainable that they stayed in the UCL, which I think is commendable. Um, but you also had to add firepower to do that. You needed to add the best goal goal scorer in the league. It, with all due respect to Immobile, you had to add Vlaovic, and you had to add Zakaria to bolster this team. Without them, I don't think we make UCL. Um, I think we probably end up sixth. Uh, we, I think we were very fortunate. Um, like sometimes you need a little bit of luck. Um, but I think this was the season for teams to just, you know, take Juve out. But you know what? We're not dead yet. They didn't take us out. We're still here. Um, but yeah, that's that's my thoughts um, on this season for Juve. Okay. And then, Ricky, let's come back to you because I know you kind of gave us a talk about the season and how crazy it was. But Inter, you know, it, it, I think as much as it, it stings to come up short on the last day for you guys, um, new manager. And I, I think you have to come away winning a Coppa Italia, winning a Super Coppa, you know, a Simone Inzaghi coming in, who I think was probably your best choice for a manager just based on what was available in the dressing room. Um, you know, three-man defense, which is what Antonio Conte did. You know, and Inzaghi puts his spin on it, and you lose Hakimi and Lukaku, but you get an Erickson. You get Chalinolu, Dumfries, and Jekyll. And, you yeah. know, Chalinolu and Dumfries, we're going to talk a little bit about later on in the podcast, uh, spoiler alert. Uh, you know, Jekyll maybe didn't pan out to what, uh, you know, clearly he's not Lukaku at this stage in his career. Um, you know, but maybe serviceable at best. So all things considered, you know, I mean, you as an interesting, do you look at the season as a success? There's some interesting they'll say, well, this is a failure. We lost the Scudetto to Milan. I would look at this as, hey, we got second. We won a couple of trophies. Um, we we kept some consistency here. Uh, you know, we just, we, you know, one game, one one defeat to Milan in a derby is basically the difference between winning a Scudetto and coming in second. Yeah, I mean, most Inter fans will say it's a failure. I'd say it's a good season or an okay season. Again, in January, we were seven points ahead. Mm. And then literally the second Milan derby, we literally just needed to hold on and we just gave Olivier Giroud the freedom and space to score two goals. And from there, everything just went downhill. Yeah. Uh, we went through two months uh, where we only took seven points from seven games in the January transfer window. We didn't do much activity. We brought in Gosens, who was injured. We brought in Philip Caicedo, who basically just sat on the bench most of the time when we loaned out Stefano Sensi. Whenever, when we had Nikolai Barella not doing much when he was going through a bad patch. Uh, it was an okay season. Uh, I'd give it a seven out of ten. Simeone and Zaghi did have big shoes to fill coming into this team uh, after Conte walked. Uh, we let go of Hakimi thinking he'd be the only player to go, and then we let go of Lukaku. Uh, then the whole Christian Eriksen thing happens over the summer. We bring in uh, Hakan Chalanoglu, uh, Jekko, and Dumfries. Uh, Jekko started off really good, but then ever since uh, he scored that 90th-minute goal against Spezia, that's when everything kind of went downhill there, too, because Nzagi just played him every single game after that, even when he wasn't good, when the partnership with Taro wasn't working. Uh, 
and as well as like other areas like Stefano DeVry being very shaky at times. Uh, it's kind of cost us this season, but I'd say it's an okay season. We did okay. pick up three trophies. Yep. Yep. You know, and I mean, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for Milan. I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been arguing all season long that Milan might be the fifth most talented team in this league. When you look at it on paper, I think all three of your teams on talent on paper are more talented than Milan. Um, you know, and I would, I, I got into an argument with a couple of people on Twitter. I threw Atalanta into that mix and I said, I would want Malinowski. I would want Zapata. I would want Muriel. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I would want those guys. I would want, you know, Piscina and Bo- I, I, Zapacosta pumping in crosses, even though we have uh tail. So I think it just, it speaks to the, you know, culture at Milan. It speaks to what, you know, Stefano Pioli has been able to do and, and it got, regurgitated a lot, you know, on the broadcast today too. Um, I mean, the veteran presence of players like Zlatan and Kerr and, and Kiar and, and guys like that, that can lead the way, but, you know, making some savvy decisions, replacing a Gigi Donnarumma with a Mike Mignon and, you know, saving a lot of money in the process and coming up with a ton of clean sheets, um, you know, finding a way to make it work, you know, having a, a Kalulu Tomori partnership, which, you know, at center back, which is basically going to show their captain, Alessio Romagnoli, the door, you know, after this season, having some, uh, you know, players come up and, and it's the whole is greater than the sum of the parts uh, by far. And I think that that's what led to Milan winning this title. They played a team game. They played a, a style under Pioli, uh, you know, that was effective. And I thought down the stretch of the season, they played extremely well when they drew Bologna and there was a lot of panic. I was one of the few that didn't panic and at least and, and some of the Milan guys in the chat, hopefully will come to my, you know, will back me on that. I said, I, I, when I, we did that podcast, I said, any other day, Milan win that game three or four nil, look at the statistics, look at the chances they created. They just didn't score. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're fine if they keep playing this way. Uh, so, um, you know, to, to be able to come up with, to deal with adversity and to come up with, a response to that adversity, I think, was a big, big thing for Milan. Didn't hurt that they got knocked out of Europe after the group stage, um, you know, which which loosened the fixture congestion for them, uh, you know, and allowed them to focus on one thing, even though they did get all the way to the semifinals of the of the Copa. Um, so there, there's something to be said about that because let's face it, for the second straight season, um, the Serie A, the Serie A winner. Uh, was knocked out of the Champions League at the group stage. They didn't even have to go and play in the Europa League. So uh, is, especially when you're looking at the last couple of years with the pandemic, with how fixtures have just gotten piled up one on top of the other, um, you know, having that break that your contenders had to still deal with did mean something in the end. You know, I think under normal conditions, I don't think it, I don't think it matters as much. Um, but when you're talking about, and we're talking, especially the Azzurri, many of whom were playing every three days for about eight or nine months straight. Um, look at the, look at the, the slump in form that Barella had for Inter, you know, for a chunk of the season. I mean, you couldn't tell me he wasn't exhausted and he picked up and played well over the last few weeks, but there was a stretch there over six or seven games for Inter where you would look at him and you'd say, this is just not the same guy. Um, so, uh, those things happen. So 
now a a summer for everybody to break, you know, a a a, a World Cup break. You know, I think that that's going to make things a little bit interesting from a fixture standpoint and from those dynamics. But um, Pioli was outstanding in his management of the team. I'm happy to have started Pioli Island with Michael Lisi and Sabrina Belmonte. I think back when the Pioli out campaign, we were the only three that said, no, this is a good hire. <laughs> so, um, you know, so that's, uh, you, you know, th- this is good. We're done retreading former players and trying to force them as managers. So, and I think it also helps that if you've got a back room and if you've got a ownership that is doing their bid in getting things right, I think that does resonate down to the dressing room. It can't. How, how does it not? You know, um, if you've got ownership that is that is cleaning things up, getting the team a little bit more financially sound, and now to a point where they're trying to sell it. I mean, they've made it attractive to sell now. Um, I think that that I think that that says something. I think that that does trickle down to the to the team and to the mood and to the confidence. And you know, because if you have some ownership uncertainties now, you got players wondering when they're going to get their next paycheck or you know where they probably need to play their football next because maybe the next ownership that comes in isn't going to be able to afford what the previous owners did. You know, among other things. So um, just a lot to be positive. Um, yes, Michael Pioli Island did get crowded real fast. Um, so there it is. <laughs> uh, yes. So, um, but no, I mean, just obviously it's, it's an extremely proud day. It's been 11 years. And I think for the fans, just what we went through the so-called banter era, you know, Berlusconi and Galliani, you know, just trying to patch it together for years and then still coming out and telling us that they're still the world's most successful club. And, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, trying to trying to treat us as if we're idiots and things like that. I mean, they're always going to have a special place in our history, but the way their reign ended just didn't end well. Um, you know, then the the Chinese group came in and spent irresponsibly and defaulted. And then Elliot has flipped the house, so to speak, um, you know, and has made it attractive for potential investors now, whether it's Redbird or Invest Corp and or who knows who's going to buy this club at this point. But on the pitch, just closed it out extremely well. I mean, I think it was at 16 games unbeaten to finish the season, um, you know, was uh, just just it, it just it's fun to fun to have it have a team like that to support and and you know I, I support them through through everything but uh you know to be sitting here with a sitting here winning a scudetto it's it's surreal <laughs> i can i can promise you that so um so that's the top four um just kind of a recap of all of that let's uh jump into the the, the relegation side of thing got things guys um, and let's start with Cliff on this. Okay, Cagliari goes down today. Uh, 0-0 draw with Salernitana. Um, or not Salernitana, excuse me, Venezia. Salernitana lose 4-0 to Udinese. I have never seen a 4-0 defeat celebrated so crazily in my life. You know what that reminded me of? That I, I Perfect comparison. The movie Dodgeball. Okay, <laughs> When average Joes has to go play the Girl Scouts and they get their asses whipped. And then they find out that one of the girls is taking like a horse steroid or some shit like that. And then they're disqualified and average Joe's gets to go to Las Vegas. That's exactly what that was. You just got your ass kicked, but you get to go anyway. So um, what I want to ask you guys, 
think of it from your club's perspective and let's talk about the relegated teams and then we'll just and then we'll praise Davide Nicola for for making another great escape but Cliff Cagliari Genoa Venezia there's some pretty good players on those teams um that are going down anybody from those three teams that you've seen that you would say hey I would not mind seeing this guy come into Juve First of all, thank God Cagliari got relegated. That club needed to get relegated. I'm sorry to my Southern Italians, but they needed to get relegated. But on a serious note, some of the players that really struck my eye, obviously Rovella, who's on loan at Genoa right now, wonderful player, has had a little bit of injury issues on the last season, um, but he's a great midfielder. Um, from other players, I've seen Porta Nova from Genoa, as yes. well as um, Cambiasso, some really, really talented players. I love Cambiasso as a left back. Um, and I, I don't think Juve will get him, but I would love him so much. And then probably on Salernitana, well, not, not Salernitana, um, Venezia. Venezia, people don't realize Jonsson, um, one of their left wingers, phenomenal young talent. Nobody talks about him. He scored a great goal a couple weeks ago. Um, just cutting in and taking a great curling finish to the to the wide right post. Um, so there's just really, there's a lot of good talent on these teams. You just have to I think now's the time to pick these players off these teams and get a good buy, get a good value buy at this point. So let's hope that maybe Napoli go get – well, I hope Napoli don't get Cambiasso because then that's going to be disgusting. He's going to be so good on that team. Um, Porta Nova could maybe get a move uh, to like a mid-table side. Um, I don't know. Um, I think – I mean, I think those players could fit on a lot of teams. Um, but, yes, very happy Kaidi's down. Very sad Venezia is down because it just got a Venezia kit. Um and Genoa, I'm kind of like indifferent because they're like Juve's feeder club. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't really care. But I'm going to miss the kits. I'm going to miss the uh, the PR and the marketing and all that goes with it. Yeah. Um, I, I I truly am. Rafa, who appeals to you out of those three teams? I got to say, Kadiri being relegated appeals to me a lot because, you know, there's a lot of great talent on there. Cranio is definitely not staying. He's a Serie A keeper. Yep. Um, uh, you know, you got, you got guys like Cepitelli and, and, and Lovato on that team. And, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen. Nate Nandez is on that team, you know, a uh, lot of really good Zappa, a lot of good young Italians as well. You know, um, uh, I, I, I can see like guys like Jao Pedro staying. I mean, he's been there for eight years. He's what the captain, you know? Maybe he can stay and help get them back up or something like that. But I'd like to raid Kadiari's, uh, um, you know, uh, bench there. Um, but Genoa being relegated also was like, like as Cliff said, you know, something that needed to happen. These two teams mm. for the last couple of years have just really been teetering on the edge of staying or going, staying or going. Um, and it, I really like the uh, the Mexican defender. Um, his name has escaped me now as well. He's on Genoa. Uh, uh, Vasquez. Vasquez. Yeah, I yep. like him a lot. I think he's got a lot of good, ta- a lot of talent. Young, uh, rated really highly among the Mexican camp. Um, I, I'd like to take him off their hands. Um, and then with Venezia, I mean, man. Uh, what a what a train wreck that was, and 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 I I I don't necessarily hate on them. Um, I like the fact that you know CBS did a lot of good, cool, like you know, uh, uh, 
you know, centerpieces on them. Uh, mm. Very beautiful, you know, getting to the stadium on a, on a gondola and, 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 you know, the fans, it was nice to see a team that has been gone for 20 years. We're going to see that again next year with Cremonese and possibly Pisa or Monza. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Lecce's back to his Southern team. So, um, um, it's going to be, it's going to be really cool to see who goes where from those teams. Uh, I do want to touch on Genoa really quick though. They were just bought out and, uh, they go down. I think it's, I think this might be something they really needed to, uh, you know, sort of hit the reset button. You know, the yeah. last time, the last time they came to say, I was with us, in 2007 in that infamous game at the Malasi where we drew nil nil and um, both of our fans got to celebrate uh, Serie A. Uh, that was the year Juventus won Serie B and we all three of us came back together. Um, and I usually use that as a, like a, a pro de Laurentiis uh, like, like conversation where look at teams like Genoa and Fiorentina up until this past season. Uh, where they're like teetering on the edge of relegation or, or, you know, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Irrelevancy. <laughs> and uh, Napoli ha- have done so well to keep themselves in the hunt every single year, 13 straight, you know, European qualifications, stuff like that. And teams like Genoa that just can't really get over the edge and over the, they got bought out by, I think it was seven, seven, seven group. Um, so hopefully they can, uh, help get them back up to Serie A the way that I mean, you know, I don't like to see teams relegated that have been there for so long. Also, because you know, it just kind of hurts. It hurts the 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 game a little bit. Um, but I I am excited to see the fresh faces of Lecce, Cremonese, and either Monza or Pisa. So um, that that's going to be a lot of fun to see as well. Ricky, anybody? I you've dipped into the Cagliari well before to get Nicola Borelli. You've dipped into the well, you, you, Genoa. You got uh, Radu as your backup goalkeeper. Uh, uh, who appeals to you over there? <laughs> uh, uh, Nandez. Anyone? Anyone that? Anyone that distracts you from Bremer? <laughs> uh, well, Nandez. That was one player I wanted at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Was Nandez to come in into midfield? Uh, but he's the only player really. And it is a bit sad to see Venezia go because I did like their apparel and the way they would present it on social media. Okay. Um, I, uh, I've, I've spoken a lot about Manolo Portanova on this, uh, on this podcast. Um, I, but I don't know if he's ready to make a jump to a top four team. Um, I believe that there is a, criminal accusation against him uh, for rape. Whoa. Um, Whoa. That I don't know if that ever got solved. I think uh, we had someone uh, tell me that uh, he'll know his fate in the summer um, and that he had been under, he actually has been under house arrest for a while. So, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm someone that pays far more attention to what's going on on the pitch than off of it. So I was like, yeah, Manolo Portanova's not going to have any trouble finding work. And I said, well, that's if he's not going to prison. That's if he doesn't go to prison. So That's amazing. That's news to me, actually. Yeah. So I think there's a, you just, uh, if you, if you Google curious case of Manolo Portanova, somebody has an article on it. Um, And then there's also some uh, details about how he's been under house arrest since I think June of last year. So yeah, stuff I didn't know either. That's been kept kind of quiet, but um, I've always in, I've always liked Raz von Martin. Um, you know, as a dead ball specialist kind of guy. Uh, I know that he was actually linked to Milan last summer 
very briefly. Um, someone that you can get at a bargain, uh, you know, coming out of Calgary. Uh, Nandez is another guy that, you know, that I would have some interest in. Uh, you know, on the Venezia side, I don't know if there's really anybody that I, you know, I, I thought Aramu had a nice run for them this season. Um, you know, I think that... uh Henri's decent, yeah. 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 Um, you know, but... And I certainly don't want any of the defense, you know, the defensive side of things. Um, you know, don't really want much of that midfield either. As much as I, I, I want success for American players like Busio and Tessman. Um, you know, I don't think they're the quality that could play on any of our sides. Um, you know, and then uh, uh, the other guy, Ampadu, um, had some good games. I, Played really well today against Calgary. Probably a big reason why Calgary are going down, um, but at the same time can be extremely reckless. Um, you know, so a, a guy that you would take on with some risk. Uh, you know, a guy that never took on. So flipping it back, Ricky. I mean, Davide Nicolo. Is this escape with Salernitana more impressive, or is it what he did at Crotone a few seasons ago? Ricky. repeat the question oh uh so davide nicola has dragged another team out of the depths of relegation uh with this time with salernitana he did it a few seasons ago with crotone made a great escape from 20th uh to surviving on the last day um which did you find i mean richard was so impressed with the crotone escape that he went and bought a diego feltinelli crotone jersey uh but was that more impressive or what he did at Salernitana this season more impressive? What he did this season with Salernitana. Okay. Yeah. Salernitana had so much going against them going into 2022. I mean, they, they, you know, and it's funny because I was thinking about saying it on this show, but I heard it on CBS as, as I was, you know, thinking about it. Uh, yeah. They had no owner come yep. you know come the end of the season they they were without an ownership you know yep. Lazio and and uh, Lotito had to sell them uh they end up selling to a Neapolitan millionaire I guess and and he went out and acquired uh you know Sabatini the ex-Roma director they bought 11 players at the at the uh at the transfer window in about 20 days. And I, and I remember this happening. Oh my goodness. They got Verdi. They got, uh, you know, uh, this guy, that guy, they're bringing in these players that are really going to make a difference to, to the squad. And, uh, you know, it took a little while for them to get together, but yeah, I mean, very similarly to the Crotone situation, Salernitana came back and did their thing. And then I realized, Oh wow, it's Davide Nicola. And he did it again. And, uh, um, I think that, yeah, I, th- I would agree with um, you guys here that this is definitely more of an impressive uh, feat. You know, um, uh, <laughs> there was no hope for Salernitana at all. And even today, it was like, you know, who, uh, you know, they get saved, but, you know, it's just like pick your worst, you know, pick your worst. Like, what, like, it could have really been one goal for Coyote and they're up and we're talking about them staying and we're not reading their closet. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, but had to go know, down. W- yeah. When you can't score against the worst defense in Serie A that hasn't had a, sh- uh, a clean sheet since November, 
then you deserve to go down. But at the same time, when you lose four nil at home, when, when it counts, you know, you also deserve to go down, but you stay up on a technicality, which is fine. You know, I, I like that there's another Campania team. I was kind of hoping Benevento would make it, but they couldn't They couldn't hold on against Pisa. Uh, to have three teams, on, uh, you know, for the first time ever from Campania in Serie A, that would have been pretty cool. But, um, you know, I, I just, it, to me, with a full season with this new ownership and possible, you know, Sabatini as a scout, you know, there's there's actually hope, unlike I think with Crotone, that Salernitana might do a little better next season overall and finish maybe, sure. you know, between 12 and 16 instead of fighting relegation. So we'll see what happens. There's as, long, as long as their best player on their team, they're not relying on a 70-year-old Ribery, I think yeah, they'll be fine. For sure. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Simone Verde came on for them and was and and and, and served Instant. them extremely well. Instant. Um, was a great impact. I, I agree, and and, and I, I agree that this was definitely more impressive, and and that's saying a lot because I remember that Cantoni escape and sure. couldn't believe they got out of there. Sure. Um, Cliff, I'm sure you're making this unanimous, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think Salernitana was by far the more impressive one, just because of the quality of this team. Like, I besides Ribery and Verdi, I could not name another player on this team. Um, it was so scarce of talent, and the fact that, like um, Rafa said, you know, the ownership situation was up in the air. Just really, really discombobulated club that kind of escaped by the skin of their teeth. And um, you know, all all credit goes to the manager. For getting them out of this, all credit. Sure. sure. And I mean, and I know they lost today, but the last loss was to Roma on April tenth. Yeah. Before yep. that, you know, and and uh, you know that that that's got that's got to count for something, you know. Even yes. though today they bit it pretty hard, they bit it to a really impressive Udinese team. Let's be fair, Udinese mm. have been insanely impressive over the last few months. So, yeah, getting good results. Yeah, I, I I I like that Uden I like that Udinese team. I like how they're set up. I mean, they're they aggravated a lot of people down the stretch. Ask Fiorentina. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the results for Fiorentina that almost knocked them out of Europe. They they finished seventh um, in all of this. So let's move on and let's hand out some awards, shall we? Let's go. Yes, sir. All right. We are going to start with the Serie A sit-down crap on a cracker 11. Now, you guys did not participate in this. This is something that I just put that I just put together. Our crap on a cracker, you know, okay, it's like it's a flop 11, but, I mean, you had to really have been crap, and you had to have played a lot of games. You, you couldn't have just, you know, transferred over and just never saw pitch time and then be considered a flop. You know, you had to prove you, had to prove you sucked. Um, Frank, we better see Alexandro and Rabio on this list. We better see those two players. Okay, so there were some positions that I picked relative to expectations, and midfield was not in there. So I and and actually left back was not in there. So Alexandro and Adrian Rabio were spared. Actually, all Juve players were spared. Federico Bernardeschi oh, has made this. Federico Bernardeschi has made this team a few times. Just so you know, um, <laughs> makes you so. feel a little bit better. Yeah, goalkeeper is a relative to expectation failure. Juan Musso of Atalanta makes this list uh, on crap on a cracker. That's that. And I went with a back four. Um, Gabriele Zappa of Cagliari is our right back. Um, 
Maya Yoshida of Sampdoria is one of our center backs. I mean, this is a guy that just should stop playing. Mm. Uh, he's old. He's past it. I mean, I think the best strikers in this league just had their way with him all season long. Uh, and then you have to have a Venezia defender, as as Rafa alluded to, worst defense in Serie A. Mateu is in this list, uh, you know, to be the other center back. Nicola Muru rounds it out at left back for us for Sampdoria. Um, mm-hmm. He was just that much worse than Alexandro Cliff. So. I don't know how. I don't know how, but okay. <laughs> so... So that is our back four. We did a midfield three. Sofian Kien of uh, Venezia gets into this team. Just started having problems with fouling and discipline. Had some games at the beginning of the season where he actually looked halfway promising. But, man, just just terrible down the stretch. Uh, a, a former Juve man does make this team. Stefano Sturaro of Genoa mm, yeah. uh, gets in there in the midfield. Um, and Filippo Bandinelli rounds it out, a midfielder for Empoli who um, – just ran around and fouled people pretty much all season. So, um, so now the front three is all relative to expectations. Um, you got to scapegoat somebody in that Cagliari attack, and I scapegoated Pavoletti in the striker position. I couldn't quite put Joao Pedro in there. Um, Thirteen goals and four assists for Joao Pedro this year. I mean, that's that's good enough to keep you off of this team. But Pavoletti, every time I watched Cagliari play, he was useless. Um, so he's the striker and then he is flanked by, uh, Emmanuel Giassi of Spezia. Uh, yeah. he took a downturn this season. Uh, thought very, very good last year. This year really struggled. Um, six goals, no assists, uh, and, and, and played a bunch of games. And then the other guy I'm going to throw in there is Ricardo Orsolini of Bologna. Uh, as far as relative to expectations, very, very low in terms of creating chances this season a Bologna team that when you look at guys like Soriano, Orsolini, Barro, Arnautovic, how did they play this season and only score 44 goals? Um, you know, that's an attack that should be, and then you've got guys like Svanberg, you got Hickey who had a nice season, uh, mm-hmm. all things considered. I, I, my jaw dropped when I looked at Bologna at the end of the season. I said, really? That squad only scored 44 goals in this league where we've got some really terrible defenses? Uh, so that's my crap on a cracker. I'll give you guys a chance to, you know, Cliff, you said Rabio and uh, Alexandra. Rafa, give me a name or two that you thought should have been on this list. Uh, honestly, I, I think you're good with it. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of any anybody – that that just didn't impress me. Um, Meret, Meret, put Meret yes, in your list. Yes, I, I I'd like to. I don't know if he played as many games. Um, you could. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go the Napoli route. I guess it would be Meret, or I think to be honest with you, you want me to hot take this right now. Yeah. As far as expectation goes, I think Piotr Zelinski goes on that list, man. Really? At least, yes. He was not. I know Cliff's mouth is jaws down to the floor, but when <laughs> I was you, not when expecting you, that. When you look at last season to this season, I'm going Zielinski because ten goals, ten assists to what he did this season was. Uh, he just scored his first goal in 2022 today, and it was it was uh, not not a good season for him. Now, whether it's COVID, he had COVID. He, uh, I think his lungs were bothering him after uh, he sat out a couple of games after he was out for COVID. When he returned, he sat out again. Um, he, it might, it, something's wrong with him. Um, um, but I mean, when I think of other players on Napoli that didn't perform, Politano and Lozano didn't do that great on the right either. 
But to be fair, neither did Lorenzo Insigne. He had an off season as well when it comes to, you know, how they played last season. But if if I'm going to put one player that played enough to warrant uh, uh, an appearance or even a, a honorable mention, uh, honorable mention on the crap on a cracker. It would be it would be Zielinski hands down. Medet for me didn't play enough, but uh, if Medet doesn't make the mistake that Radu ended up making in the same weekend, um, uh, Napoli have a little bit more of a fight in this, and uh, it mm. was just he was not good. He was not good. But yeah, Zielinski for me, he he wasn't he wasn't. The Zelinski that we know, and I don't know, okay, again, I don't know if that has to do with the COVID or just something's up. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I was surprised a little bit. Of, you know, now that I think about it, surprised a little bit of the drop-off. Certainly, you know, shined uh, in the season previous and just not a name that you called on a lot, you know, in terms of in terms of production for Napoli, in terms of playmaking and things like that. Ricky, you got a name or two that uh, you thought should have made this team? I was going to say Radu. <laughs> Radu, <laughs> DeVry, Galliadini. For the uh, for the Bologna game, right? <laughs> so. Yeah. Galliadini, uh, Vidal, he's been very off. Alexis Sanchez, even Alexis Sanchez. Uh, okay. The time he's come on, he hasn't like – he wasn't what he was last year when he came off the bench. All good shouts, guys. All good shouts. Let's move on. Um, we are moving on to the Serie A sit-down awards for the 2021-2022 season. Um, let's get on with the. We will start with our. Uh, we will start with a team actually that we'll put together, and we will start with the goalkeeper of the season. So here's what we did. We had our esteemed panel here. I put it together a questionnaire. Uh, and I had them rank at each position, uh, manager, goal, player of the season, all that other stuff. And then we did a point system. So if you, if, the, if we had seven players that I wanted you to name, your top guy got seven points all the way on down. So, um, so that's how we ended up doing it. So we're going to segue into our City A sit down team of the season by starting out with our goalkeeper of the season. And this is not a surprise. It's unanimous. Mike Mignan of Milan, goalkeeper of the season. Um, I mean, clean sheet after clean sheet after clean sheet, uh, a breath of fresh air for Milan supporters to see the distribution be far better than what they had under, under Gianluigi Donnarumma. Um, I can speak all the superlatives about him, uh, here, but I'm going to let you guys, you know, uh, give you guys a chance to speak on our goalkeeper of the season. Ricky, starting with you, Mike Mignan. Yeah, I thought he was a good of replacement for Donnarumma, given the whole drama, given the fact he got uh, Ligon's best keeper, who won them the league, and he's coming into this side. Uh, he did pretty good, and yeah, there were some games he was pulling off, just save after save after save. I'm like, nah, this can't be real. <laughs> Rafa, Mike Mignon, goalkeeper of the season. Easily, uh, easily hands down goalkeeper of the season. Um, David Ospina gave him a run for his money, I think. Um, and it was neck and neck, but I had to pick, Os I had to pick Manyan, um, trying to 
keep bias aside and just it's obvious. I mean, he made Milan so much better this season. There was a lot of things that made Milan better, but Manyan contributed very uh, a lot to that. And um, uh, 17 clean sheets, you know, and there's no denying that uh, highest safe percentage in Europe, like I mentioned earlier. Um, you know, there's there's nothing else to debate, really. I mean, guy guy was the bit best replacement possible for Donnarumma. And uh, he's a champion now. Twice. Two years in a row. Yep. Cliff. Not much needs to be added to this with these two amazing panelists uh, said. I would keep it simple and saying spectacular transfer of the season for me. For any league, yes, I think yes, transfer yes. of the season. Yes. Yeah, we didn't do a transfer of the season, but if we did, that would be that would be an easy one to pick. No doubt about it. Okay, so uh, Mike Mignon leads our uh, – leads our team as goalkeeper of the season. He is the goalkeeper in our team of the season. Uh, we always pick a formation. Well, we want it to be functional. And then we always pick it based on the champions uh, most used formation. Where in this case under Pioli, it was a four, two, three, one. Let's start at the right back position and the right back in our Serie A sit down team of the season is Denzel Dumfries of Inter. Uh, edging out Davide Calabria and Giovanni Di Lorenzo. Um, let's, uh, Ricky, Denzel Dumfries, uh, as signings go, I mean, we talk about Mignan, but Dumfries was pretty damn good for the Nerazzurri, wasn't he? Yep. And he had big shoes to fill, replacing Ashraf Hakimi. Uh, he was one player I wanted during the Euros. I had tweeted, I was like, hmm, he'd be a good signing right back, and we ended up going for him. Uh, he's done pretty good so far, uh, especially adopting to Nzagi's right wing back position. Because usually I think he plays fullback for Netherlands and for PSV. Uh, but he did pretty good. Um, although I would argue it probably, I swear, I think on mine, I think I had Darmian in front of him as being way better this season than him. Yeah, Darmian came up with five points in our tally. It was Dumfries 15, Calabria 13, Di Lorenzo 12. Uh, and, and interestingly enough, Quadrado came after that at seven. So then after that, there, I mean, there was a wide range of opinions about who filled out, you know, our top five right backs in the league. Single got some points. Darmian got some points. Faraoni, Karsdorp, uh, Audria Sola, uh, plenty of players there. So Denzel Dumfries playing right back. Let's go to the center back positions. Um this one, we had one runaway. It's everybody's defender of the season, Bremer from Torino. He's in. Uh, that was a pretty clear-cut one from just about everybody on the panel. Uh, the second choice was really close. There were three players in contention for it based on the point total. The player that edged it out is Fikayo Tomori of Milan, 25 points. Koulibaly and Skriniar each on 23. So that shows you how close it was. Uh, Cliff. Did the five of us get this right with Tomori getting just ahead of Koulibaly and Skriniar? It's really tough to say because all of them had very good seasons. But I guess yeah. what really determined it was kind of the expectations. Everybody knows Skriniar and Koulibaly are two of the best center backs in the league. Tomori just kind of came on and just destroyed. First half of the season was phenomenal. Slowed down a little bit second half um, in some games, but was still... Overall, very consistent, very, very um, 
you know, very done well um, at center back compared to the other center backs in the league. So I think I think people got it right. And he's also on the winning Scudetto uh, side for this season. Rafa Koulibaly had an excellent season for Napoli. Um, Tomori got the edge among the five of us just by a couple of points. I mean, I'm going to – Koulibaly and Skriniar will be on this team's substitutes bench. That's not a bad pairing to have to turn to. Uh, thoughts on uh, Tomori getting in just barely over uh, those other two? You know, I don't have a problem with it at all. As a matter of fact, looking at my rankings, I uh, kind of fudged Tomori and Palomino. I was supposed to put Tomori in the third position, Palomino down in four. I had, I did have Koulibaly as number one and Bremer as two. Um, you might want to – I might – say that it is a little bit of a homer pick for Koulibaly. Um, I, I highly regard him as one of the best center backs, not only in the league, but in the world. Uh, so I, I do um, think that I had some sort of a, you know, um, reason to put him at one for, you know, for that reason. Um, okay. He did miss, he did miss time uh, injured and with the African cup of nations, but um, you know, part of one of the best defenses in the league, along with Milan. And yeah, like I said, again, Tomori for me should have been at three, not four. So I apologize about that, but yeah, that's okay. doesn't matter. Got, he got, he got there anyway. So um, yeah, uh, a, a phenomenal player, uh, 18 months in the league. He already speaks fluent Italian and, and worked hard trying to learn and adapted to the culture really well. And he, and he's very, you know, versatile. He's a very good player and, he was very instrumental in this Milan defense. So bravo to Tomori. I, I'm very happy that he made the team. All right. Left back. I, let's not waste our time on this. It was Teo Hernandez Hands um, down. Hands by down. a mile. Um, I, you know, I'll talk about him. I'll just, I mean, and on the broadcast on Paramount plus did, made the argument that he might be the best left back in the world. And I would not have, I would not get into a fight with anybody that thought that way right now, the way he's playing. I mean, uh, if you have a legitimate goal scoring threat from the left back position, you have something. Um, I think what's underrated with him though, is that he, he, he became a better defender over the course of the season. And maybe some of that might be because of the support he has behind him. And then he has the support that he has in midfield. Uh, But he looked more believable to me as a defender this season than he has in previous seasons from the Milan games that I've watched. Um, that's an element that goes underrated. You certainly look at his attacking qualities and what he offers there. The goal that he scored, um, we'll talk about that here shortly. I don't want to give up, give too much away, but um, you know, the uh, you know, just really, really dynamic, um, you know, he ended up coming away with, I think, 20 points, um, 25 points. So he was unanimous. And then after that, it was Biragi and Mario Rui tied on six. So just to give you some perspective of how that wasn't even close. So, um, so Teo. So our back four is Denzel Dumfries, Fikayo Tamori, Bremer, and Teo Hernandez. Uh, two-man defensive, two-man holding midfield. Um, we had a wide, we had a pretty wide range of opinions as I was starting to add this up. But then at the end, two players um, run away with the positions. And uh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me because there's another player that I'll talk about that I thought uh, maybe deserved a little bit more run. Uh, but our defensive midfielders, our holding midfielders in this 4-2-3-1 is Sandro Tonali of Milan and Marcelo Brozovic of Inter. Um, 
Uh, Ricky, let's talk about Brozovic. Um, I mean, just glue is an understatement understatement, um, when you talk about him in that inter midfield, when you consider the players that play to the the sides of him, the wingbacks that are, that are doing a lot and, you know, the role that he had in protecting the back three, but also being able to be dynamic enough to be a threat going forward too. Yeah, he's very instrumental for Inter, and that's one key position I would say we need to look for in the summer transfer window. But yeah, uh, you could see too this season when we haven't had him, there's a massive difference, especially with the way Barella had been playing. Without Brozovic there, there's an even bigger hole and a massive difference without him, mm-hmm. and he's very crucial. Tenali, Tenali's stepped up the past few weeks, but that's one player in particular I would have loved to have seen it enter. Yeah. Uh, and also, too, uh, during the second leg of the Coppa Italia against uh, Milan, he was, I don't want to say he was instrumental, but there was a big difference when he was off the pitch for you guys, whenever he was subbed off. Hmm. Cliff, uh Tonali, Brozovic, that's our double pivot in front of the back four. I mean, what else do I need to say? These two are by far the best holding midfielders as our friend runs away. Um, I, I think he I think he doesn't want to hear all the good things I have to say about Tonali. That's probably it. Um, I think just Tonali has just been so phenomenal this year. He said the right word, instrumental. Both of these players were so instrumental for their clubs um, to lead them to where they are on the table. Tonali just orchestrating everything in their midfield, as well as Brozovic in Inter's midfield. Um, just both phenomenal talents, um, by far the best CDMs in the league. Rafa, did Fabian Ruiz fly under the radar a little too much here? Uh, was or was it Tonali, was Tonali's and Brozovic's performances so much on the forefront that Fabian's just a victim of kind of getting lost in the shuffle because he was excellent this season. You know, I, I want to say it, it was that. Um, Tonali deserves 100% to be there. So does Brozovic. And I 100% overlooked Brozovic myself. He didn't even make my list, and that's insane to me. Um, but, that's you know. Okay, you were jamming in Labotka and Angisa. I've got your well, list right here. Here's, here's, <laughs> but, but here's the thing is that the, the three holding mids that. Um, compiled the 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 um double pivots for napoli um when one went down the other stepped up so much that i had to put those three on as two three and four uh, uh underneath tonali it's clear tonali and his turnaround from last season was just incredible it's a different player just just really really turned it up for Milan, one of the reasons I think Milan won the Scudetto of the season is is Tonali's, you know, uh, picking up slack where, um, uh, uh, what's his name, left left a little bit to be desired. He's leaving Kessie. for uh, Kesti, yeah, yep. and um, um, but 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 yeah, Fabian's season. Listen, he's a, he's a natural attacking mid, and he was asked to put he was asked to be put in this role by Gattuso. Um, when Gattuso came in and he adapted so well to it over the years, it didn't take overnight. It was a lot of people frustrated with Fabian, um, but he adapted so well to it that he just, he's just shot shown this year in that position. Um, 
And I think if not for Tonali Ambrosovic, uh, Fabian gets the nod for sure. Sure. Um, de- definitely sits on the bench, but Lobotka had such a great season after um, being really uh, not rated by Gattuso last year at all. He he, if it if Gattuso were on this team, Lobotka wouldn't be playing, and and he was such a revelation for Napoli. And then Angisa, we talked about you know signing of the season in any league being Manyan to 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 Milan. I think number two, close number two, is Angisa to Napoli. This guy came in Serie A and just and just adapted like that to Serie A, like, like as if he was playing for 10 years with this league. Um, first match against Juventus, and he was our beast of the match on the Raff and Raff rant. Like, mm-hmm. we, 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 we were very pleasantly surprised with him, so much so that we activated the 15 million deal uh, clause from Fulham, which is an absolute steal. It's a steal, 15 million for Angisa. Um, so yeah, Napoli's midfield for me was if collectively I think make a midfield of the season. Um but but there's no denying what Tonali and what Brozovic did for both of those teams too. So I think Brozovic had one of the seasons of his career to be yeah. honest with you. And I can't believe I he flew under my radar. I was just so gung-ho on this Napoli midfield that I was blinded by it. So but good on them. Good on them. Agreed. Agreed. Let's jump into that uh, three-man uh, attacking midfield with the wingers. Right wing, right wing was unanimous. It was Domenico Berardi. I didn't have to bother to go through that too intensively. Left wing was also unanimous. Uh, Rafael Leal. Um, I didn't have to go through that too intensively. So that uh, that saved a lot of time. So let's go to the uh, ten position, the attacking midfielder for this setup. Um, it came down to uh, a couple of players. It was actually relatively close um, between Hakan Chalanolu and Lorenzo Pellegrini, both very good players, both very good seasons. But, Ricky, Hakan Chalanolu uh, is the 10 in our 4-2-3-1. Very deserving. Made the switch from Milan um, and uh, was asked, had a task on his hands, replacing Christian Eriksen in that role. Um, great mix of scoring and creating, um, I think really an impressive season for him, uh, his first go around with the Neretsuri. Uh, so I'll let you take the lead on Chalanolu. Uh, I, <laughs> I told some Milan fans, I'm like, maybe he just needs a new environment, new setup, different <laughs> role, different coach. Maybe that, maybe that was the reason why, uh, but yeah, he's stepped up, uh, I was one of the people that was a bit skeptical about him coming in just off the base of what some Milan fans had said, but he actually exceeded my expectations. Uh, he stepped up with some important goals, uh, especially the one against Juve in the second time we played them earlier in the season. Um, he's also come up with some really good assists, as well as some games, as well as even fitting into the Regista role when Brozovic isn't there. So this season he's done pretty good, and I hope to see what he does next season. Cliffy, Domenico Berardi, uh, just the uh, basically the man there at Sassuolo, you know, double digits goals and assists on the season. Um, I, a lot of people need a, a, a right-sided attacker, Milan in particular. Uh, thoughts on his season with Sassuolo? Fantastic. Um, he's just, he's a very consistent player, always very, very consistent, does his job. And I feel like doesn't really, 
he he's been a little bit late to get the move that I think he should have been taking probably three seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this season, I think Milan should and will go in on him and get him as their right winger. They'll be an please. Ex- <laughs> what? Please. Uh, I I think him and Leao would be a great tandem. Um, nice nice juxtaposing types of players. One really pacey, um, and one that's very good creatively and is just very agile. Um, I also think Leao obviously was unanimous left wing. I don't know about Hakan at Cam only because I think Pellegrini was such a like a beast, and I think he carried that Roma team. That's why I would personally give it to Pellegrini. But I could see why people picked Hakan because he had a phenomenal season as well. I'm I'm slightly I I I'm with the edge here for Chalinolu over Pellegrini and just Rafa. Um, thoughts on the three on the three here that are going to uh, provide the service to our striker. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with it. Hakan was was one of the best um, pickups for Inter, if you ask me. Uh, uh, you know, I wasn't. Uh, this is why I considered them favorites all all year long. Is that. You know, they, they lost all the players they lost, and then, they, then Conte walked away. And I really feel like they 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 replaced those players well, you know, well enough for me to consider them favorites all season. Uh, and, you know, it came down to the last day, so I wasn't too far off the mark there. Um, but but Shalanoglu really, really did uh, a lot of great for Inter this season, and, and I, I believe he deserves to be there. Um, Berardi, of course, I mean, Berardi had uh, such a phenomenal season. What was it 15 goals, 15 assists or something like that? And, 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 um, um, you know, he's going to really fit into Napoli's plans next season really well. Just so you guys know, as a matter of fact, he's not because Sassuolo don't like to, uh, transfer to Napoli. So, you know, congratulations, Frank, he's going to Milan, but, um, but I would love to see this translated onto the national team, uh, you know, because because he he needs to really um, step up on the national team on the right wing, but Berardi really did uh, have such a fantastic season. And Rafa Leao, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing much else to say about Rafa Leao. He's to me, and you know, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves. MVP of the season, you know. So uh, he was unstoppable. Uh, uh, just unstoppable. And 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 again, again, everybody on Milan played so much better than he played last season and so but but I think the key was so did um um the manager he yep. just did he just did so much like he also improved with the squad so hmm. by him managing a lot better um Pioli all the player it translated on the pitch really well. And I think that's a big reason Milan won the Scudetto. Leao is incredible, absolutely incredible. And and I would love to see him stick around for a yep. while. It would be yep. great. Let's I pay him. Please pay him. <laughs> um, that's all I've got to say. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, and, and Cliff, to your point, I mean, Berardi already kind of deals with that dynamic at Sassuolo with Hamid Traore uh, playing on the left-hand side. And Hamid Traore is a guy we better – you know, people if they don't know, they better know. They better know quick because he had himself a season. Um, you know, so you know there wouldn't be too much transition. You look at the guy that probably plays in the ten role. Sassuolo kind of got away from that. They kind of went with a, a you know a, a striker and a support striker with Raspadori and Skamaka. Um, not necessarily what Milan's going to do. So yeah, we'll see. 
um, you know, what goes on. But I, I think these three are the right ones. I, I get the shout for Pellegrini, um, but I think Chalinolu is just ahead of him. Leo and Berardi are slam dunks for me, um, you know, in the wing positions here. So um, let's finally get – let's finish this up with the striker. Um, the way things tabulated, uh, it was looking like four strikers were in position. And we've done – when we've done the City I sit down team of the season, in six seasons or in the previous five seasons, we have never left off the Capo Cananieri. Um They've always made the team of the season, and we were getting dangerously close to the Capo Cananieri getting left off this year. But Chiro Immobile is in by two points over Dusan Blaovic as our striker in this setup, uh, just edging out Blaovic. Uh, the others that were in contention, uh, Lautaro Martinez, obviously, with the important goals that he scored for Inter, and Victor Osimhen, despite the injuries, uh, the rate with which he scored uh, when he was fit uh, with Napoli, certainly merited some attention amongst the panel. But Chiro Immobile, uh, striker of the striker of the you know our striker in the four two three one in our team of the season. Um, Cliff, did we get it right? No, we did not get it right. And I, <laughs> I know you're going to say that. <laughs> I will tell you why. I mean, obviously, by the stats, by the numbers, it's it's Immobile. But I think if you look at just the player, I think Vlaovic is like the perfect striker um and i'm not saying that because he's on juve even at fiorentina i was telling everybody it's a perfect striker he can hold up play he can pass well he can finish some, some amazing goals he's um you know he's not the paciest player like osiman's just a a freak a physical freak pacey big maybe needs a little bit more strength to him but i think blaovic is just all around the best striker in the league that's just my opinion though i think a lot of people have different takes on what they think of the right and prototypical striker should be that's just my opinion for Blaovic. Ricky, does it get to – are there times where we should say quantity is, is – you know, quantity is great. We love to see it. But sometimes you got to look at the quality of goals in terms of making the argument for Lautaro Martinez. Uh, in terms of making the argument for Dusan Vlaovic with the majority of his goals coming on a Fiorentina team that nobody – most didn't fancy compared to the, the traditional top six – um, you know, but scoring all of those goals and then scoring some, you know, c- getting off to a good start and scoring some important goals for Juve, you know, in his first half season there, you know, it, it, should it be said that it sometimes you, you have to, you know, sacrifice the leading score for the guy who, who scored the ones that counted a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, the ones that count more versus the guy that can just do it all the time. But I would argue that uh, Trier Mobile deserves it because he's been consistent season after season after season with Lazio. Whereas Lotaro, even this season amongst Inter fans, we were very divided. Uh, some calling more or less that maybe he should have just been sold. Uh, the fact he wasn't the main number nine and it happened to go to Dzeko. Uh, and even then, too, with Lotaro, he'll score the most random, bizarre angle goal and then he'll miss like an easy chance. <laughs> hmm. Rafa, uh, did would this have been the season where we should have looked at quality instead of looking at looking at the leading score for this spot? I mean, I think you need to do that every season. Um, hmm. But but um, but I'm gonna go with you know Immobile too because, like Cliff said, consistency is is pretty important to you know when you value 
what a striker does, you know? I mean, it's not Immobile's fault that around him at Lazio, things are not clicking no matter what the ma- who the manager is, what, what players are servicing him or whatever. Um, you know, a lot of it might be he's got a few hat tricks. A lot of it are a lot of penalties, what have you. The important thing is, is that it happens every year where he's, you know, up there for Capo Cananiere or is Capo Cananiere. Um, so, so, you know, and it doesn't matter how crappy he is on the national team in Lazio for Serie A, he scores the goals, man. He gets the job done. So, uh, you know, yes, yes. There is something to say about, you know, the important goals, the goals that, 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 you know, the play because a striker is supposed to score goals, but that's not their only job too. a forward is also, you know, linking play up or like, you know, holding the ball up or becoming a distraction for the wingers or, you know, drawing players away from, you know, certain other players to give them open space. Um, and, and I think, uh, Victor Osiman does that really well. I think, um, um, because of, uh, his injuries and his inability to have seen a full season at Napoli yet, um, I think he's almost there. So, you know, I could say I'm really pissed that there's no Napoli player on this 11, but at the same time, Osimen for me is like right there. Um, but Osimen, Vlaovic, Lautaro, and Simeone, the, the, you know, in order, the players that I picked underneath Chiro Immobile, for me all had dips in their form in this season. Uh, and again, whether it's injury or what have you, um, we talked about the Osman injury. Vlahovic for me, and I'm sorry, Cliff, uh, when he got to Juve, he scored on his debut. He scored another goal, maybe. He scored a minute one in Champions League, but but he did not light Serie A up with Juve like everybody thought he would on Fiorentina. He was at 17 with Fiorentina and then only seven with Juve in the league. Um, after that, and it just didn't look like it was working. Was it because Chiesa? Was it because of what, whatever the reason is? It just... It just, it, it, I mean, they got to fourth and that's fine. But for me, I thought like it's over. These guys are coming back to win the Scudetto and it didn't happen. So right. that that's why I put him under Aussie, man. Um, Lautaro went really cold, really cold for a long time. If he was on a, even just a little bit, if he, if he was like half better than what he was during that time, Inter might be the champions. And then Simeone, you, we all saw the start they got. He got off to. And then he disappeared out of nowhere, you know? So, you know, yes and no. Immobile is consistent, man. The guy scores in almost every game. Every week he's on the score sheet or he's doing something to get them there. So hats off to Immobile. He deserves it. All right. So that is our team of the season. So, and based on the conversation, the substitutes bench would be Sami Handanovic, Kalidou Koulibaly, Milan Skriniar, Fabian Ruiz, Davide Calabria, Ivan Perisic, Lorenzo Pellegrini, Dusan Vlaovic, and Lotaro Martinez. Uh, so, 10-man bench. Uh, you know, you almost can build a second team with that group. So, uh, you know, and it can it can compete with what we pick. So, once again, our team of the season. Uh, goalkeeper Mike Maignan of Milan. Denzel Dumfries of Inter. Ficayo Tamori of Milan. Bremer of Torino. Teo Hernandez of Milan. Sandro Tonali of Milan. Marcelo Brozovic of Inter. Domenico Berardi of Sassuolo, Hakan Chalanolu of Inter, Rafael Leao of Milan, Chiro Immobile of Lazio. Uh, they will be managed by our manager of the season, a unanimous vote, Stefano Pioli. 
again, what can we say? Uh, the ability to man manage, dealt with injuries at the center back position, uh, navigated through some things, had to deal with the Milan that was struggling to score goals, found the solution to pair Tamori with Kalulu uh, and have Kalulu uh, deputize as a center back as, as, as one of the master strokes that he had. Um, you know, the in-game management, the ability to strike the, the cord with, with great substitutions, um, you know, and help Milan get into position to grind out wins to win the Scudetto, you know, makes him manager of the season. Um, everybody but me had Simone Inzaghi second. Um, I had, and then everybody but me had Italiano third. I had flip-flopped. I had Italiano second uh, and Inzaghi third. Uh, so that's where that is. And I think we've said enough superlatives about Stefano Pioli. Uh, let's move on to goal of the season. Uh, this one, maybe recency bias, but man, I, it's really hard to get away from Teo Hernandez's box to box goal against Atalanta, uh, you know, as a goal of the season, there was a shout for Juan Cuadrado's goal against Roma. I'll give you three guesses who put that in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, we had, uh, the Domenico Berardi, uh, bicycle kick goal, uh, Ooh, you know, come on, I forgot about that one. uh, you know, as, as a choice, uh, Pellegrini's goal, his free kick against Juve, uh, there was a Brecolo goal. There was a Mertens goal. Uh, all of these were wonderful goals, but I think that Teo's goal is that defi- maybe, maybe a, a goal of the season, um, Ricky, that, might I, I, that that might be the signature play uh, for Milan, uh, you know, in terms of winning the Scudetto? Uh, your thoughts? I know I saw that. I'm like, yeah, these guys are probably going to run away with it. There's no stopping them, especially if their left backs able just to cut through a defense like that. There's nothing yep. stopping these guys. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Um, moving on to our player of the season. And this was actually close. It was deci- it was it was decided by one point. Uh, but we are in consensus with seemingly everybody else in our city uh, sit down player of the season. Rafael Leao of Milan is the player of the season by one point over his teammate Mike Mignon. Would have been the first time we had a goalkeeper win player of the season. So, um, uh. We've we've spoken enough superlatives about Leal, but are we surprised, Cliff, that it got that close between Leal and Mignon? Oh, um, am I surprised at that? I mean, because I mean, I guess not really, because after Leal, I think Mignon's the obvious second. Um, so I guess I'm not really surprised it's that close because I mean, Leal was by far better than everybody else. Perisic got a lot of steam here, Ricky. Uh, you know, in the voting, and and I think that. If Inter somehow, if, if Inter was able to win this title, we'd be talking about Ivan Perisic as the player of the season. This is a guy we have, we've hardly talked about on this podcast. Uh, you know, and I think some of it was, well, you put him at left back, you put him at left wing. Well, if you do, well, Teo and, and Rafael Leao are there. Um, you know, so what do you do with this guy? So he's on the bench of the team of the season. And, but this could have, this could have flipped pretty quick if, if Inter would have won this title. You, you would have had to have, figured out how to jam Ivan Perisic in team of the season and probably would have ended up being MVP. Yeah, I agree with that. He's the Robert Gosens of the podcast, his team of the year, basically <laughs> just sitting on the bench. 
Absolutely. Uh, Rafa, any, in, in any of those manager goal, MVP team of the season, anybody else that you think we might've, that, that, that might've been snubbed in this process. Obviously what we did was a, a, a collaboration of five very, very intelligent minds uh, when it comes to Calcio. Uh, but uh, anyone else that we didn't mention that maybe deserves a shout. Um, as far as manager goes, I would really like to shout Simone Inzaghi. Um, yeah. Again, just for, just for making the team that seemed to have been like disassembled overnight, almost um, fight for Scudetto on the last day, win Coppa Italia. They won Super Coppa. It's not like they walked away empty handed, like uh, our friend uh, above us here uh, for the first time in a long time. Um, on, we were going to, we were supposed to, we were supposed to play nice. No, no, no. Nice, and now he's, you know. I said he's my friend. I did say he's my friend. He said, I I said our friend, and I gave a thumbs up. You know. Okay. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah, no, 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 no. Um, um, you know, you gotta give it to him. You gotta give it to him. He, he, because uh, here's another thing. Milan, the last five matches of the season. I mean, (laughs) I didn't think they'd win two of those matches and they won all five, you know, and in that time frame, Taylor Hernandez scores the goal of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know, you can't deny what Milan did, but if it weren't, wasn't for that, you know, Simone Inzaghi is manager of the season. You take an Inter who won the Scudetto, who's depleted now, you know, from their best striker, one of their best left backs they've seen, and you know their star manager, and they replaced them. Like I said, they replaced them really well, but then they needed a, 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 a you know a captain to stead, steady the ship, and 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 he came in and he did a really fabulous job doing it. I know they blew the lead, like you know we talked about. Ricky said that there were seven points before the Milan game, but but at the same time they got back to it. You know they 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 handled themselves well, and um, I think he deserves a lot of praise for this season. Um, yeah, as far as a goal that we we overlooked, I think that Davide Faraone goal to make it three two against Roma for me was one of. I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this goal. Look it up, please. It was a, just the the, the side the, the outside foot of his right foot volley yep. that, that that screamed and hit the inside of the crossbar and went in to make it three two for 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 Verona and they beat Roma. It was just amazing and a sentimental one for me is the Fabian goal against Lazio at the at the Olympico uh 94th minute to 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 have Napoli in, back in first place for a couple of weeks was mm. just uh just a, a I mean the composure that he showed it was everything about that was you know to Insigne le- leaving it off for him which I didn't think was going to happen I thought he was going to do his famous Tira Giro and screw it up but he left it off for him and he just took that shot and scored it that was for me moment of the season for me personally um and I, I think that goal I I rated it fifth of five but but maybe just because of of the um um the situation that we were in at the time, you know, took, took the lead, lost the lead late and then got that goal. And for me, that was one of the best goals of the season, but Teo Hernandez with a Maradona Messi goal. I mean, can you believe that? That was just, and he's a left back. France is going to be scary in this world cup guys. I just Mm remember he's French. Like that's insane. Insane. Yeah. It's bonkers. I mean, just, uh, 
Just crazy. I mean, uh, and and when you think about it, when you see, I mean, it, it, it draws comparisons to George Weah's goal all those yeah. years ago. But George Weah was a striker. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, excellent stuff, guys. Uh, we, I mean, we just we went wall to wall and knocked it out of the park here with this review. Uh, you know, I couldn't thank the three of you enough for being here. So let's put a bow on this season of City Sit Down. Uh, and give our esteemed panelists a chance to give some shameless plugs here, uh, starting uh, with uh, the team that finished fourth, Juventus and Cliff. Thank you for that lovely reminder. Um, <laughs> you can find me um, at Cliff Asmio at Twitter. Um, you can find um, our team, all UVacast, on Twitter and on YouTube um, and on Instagram. And then you can also find Stoppage Time um, is the show that I run. Um, we do that. Um, Usually on Mondays or Tuesdays we record. You can find that on YouTube, Stoppage Time by AJC. Thank you, guys. Yep. Cliff, I know that you had a, uh, uh, you know, you kind of had a little bit of a time constraint. You stayed you stayed late with us anyway. I definitely appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for joining us, man. And uh, your third cap is going to come sometime when we get back, when we reconvene for the new season. So Awesome. Thank you. All right. Great having you. Um, on to third place and Napoli and Rafa. Plug away, my friend. Yes, thank you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at Rafanopoli83. Uh, as Cliff might know, a lot of uh, uh, you, I answer to everything, everything. You, you name it, I answer. Um, but I am on the Napoli rant. Um, you can find that on Twitter at Napoli rant and on YouTube as well at the Napoli rant. Uh, we're live every Monday night at around nine nine thirty. I also. Um, I'm head of the Far From Vesuvius podcast network. And on that, you can find the audio to our live later on. And also I produce in the behind the scenes uh, a new show called In the Shadow of Vesuvio with uh, my buddy, the formerly known as Frank Psychic. He's now Henry Bell and Michele Borelli, who is living in Naples. So we get a in the, on the ground perspective uh, of Napoli. Um, from a guy who is in Naples and speaks perfect English, which is crazy. But uh, you can find that at Far From Vesuvius as well. And I just want to say thank you, Frank, for letting me on here again. Um, it's always nice to talk to my birthday mate, you know? <laughs> my birthday, my birthday, my long lost birthday twin. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, and and as, as, as far as caps go for you, I think you're approaching double digits and I think double digits Possibly. will happen next season. So uh, <laughs> I've got no doubts about that. Uh, and, and, and finally, uh, Ricky, uh, pushing my boys all the way to the finish. Uh, oh, don't worry. We'll be back next season. Yes, you will. Yes, it. you will. I got no <laughs> doubts. Plug away, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at buzz underscore QS and here on YouTube at Ricky buzz. Excellent. Uh, I am at FTC underscore 21. Uh, my co-host Richard Carmen is at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. At Sidia Sit Down on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can also uh, check us out on Facebook. Uh, we have our own channel on Apple Podcasts uh, and SoundCloud. We are on Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever there's podcasts. There is Sedia Sit Down. Um, we must be popular because we got our first ever Tinder bot in the chat. So, you know, I don't know what to make of that. I really, I have no use for it. So I just blocked it. <laughs> so sorry if anybody in the chat wanted to click on that. Um, 
we apologize. We will not be doing uh, uh, Who Won Calcio Twitter. It's not me. That doesn't mean that it's dead. We just ran out of time. Um, we will uh, reconvene. Richard and I will come up with a way to pick a winner from this week and then also uh, have a best of the season uh, Who Won Calcio Twitter here at some point. So, uh, so hang in there on that. Um, Richard uh, will have a special podcast that he will bring. He will break down the details of next week uh, uh, with a guest. So I will check out our check out City. I sit down on Twitter for him to release that information. Um, uh, so uh, that's that chat was awesome, uh, except for the Tinder bot. Um, and uh, you know, as as always, and uh, I want to take this as I do at the end of every season to thank the listeners. Um, if, if you're not listening. Richard and I are not going to do this. Uh, so you keep listening. So we're going to keep do, we're going to keep going. So, uh, you know, so thank you all uh, for being a part of what's been now our completing our sixth season um, of City I Sit Down. And we're uh, excited uh, to get ramped up here uh, for season seven. But at the same time, we're also looking forward to taking a little break, too. <laughs> so uh, it's been a fantastic season. Uh, thank you to the three of you for being on tonight. Thank you to all of the guests we've thank had you. throughout the season. Thank everybody you, in the chat, everybody who has been listening uh, for uh, Cliff, Rafa, Ricky, Richard. I'm Frank. As always, make sure you're telling your paisans about us. Ciao.